Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Parenting hacks, they're called. Shortcuts, tricks, one working mother's tips on where to cut corners when you are juggling parenting, with working and everything else that goes into our modern lives. Wisdom from our next guest will probably resonate with many of you trying to juggle work, home life, after school children's activities and remain sane. Wendy Tui is an Australian journalist and editor of Fairfax's Daily Life. She's a Melbourne-based mother of three. She's recently written a piece on what she's learned during her 14 years as a working mum, trying to make her job flex around the needs of her children. It struck a chord. Learn to live with chaos is the advice she wishes she'd believed. And she very humbly entitles it what I've learned from 14 years as a working mother in brackets. Hope this helps. Wendy, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on your show. So this is resonating with people. You've obviously um, capturing the mood in some ways and pulling together some some bits of wisdom. Is this a case of you looking back and saying, I wish someone had told me this or I'd realised this all these years ago? Yeah, I, I, yes. My agenda here is just to say, um, to offer a hand out, a hand, my hand and hopefully the hand of other mums who have been among the first big bulk in my generation, which is Generation X, going back to work hand down to the next lot saying, um, look, we've done it, um, trying to do everything and spread ourselves very thin and does leave you very tired. I'm not I'm not original in, in saying that. And I'd just like to see other women just um, push themselves a bit less hard, punish themselves less, feel like they're failing less and spend more time actually um, in those years, which are full on and very rewarding, mind you, uh, looking after themselves. You know, and caring for their own health, because that that again and again you'll read in columns and and now heaps of books actually on working motherhood that it's self care and time for yourself and and other anything to do with the mum that gets put to the side first, and that's not necessarily best for the whole family either. It reminds me of that old saying that people being too busy working in the business to work on the business, and it sort of applies in a personal sense here, doesn't it? You need to be the one who's okay to sit back and think, all right, how are we doing this and how am I doing, and and look after you. And part of what you're doing yeah. here, I think, is giving people some starter ideas. What, what, what's been your yeah. own? What's been your own experience? As I said, three kids and the job and yeah. and well, all those after so school my, demands. My experience, my experience was that um, I started out and actually progressed most of the way, really, until I got this new job at Fairfax and decided, no, I'm not going to try and work totally flex. I'm not going to try and be at everything. I'm not going to try and make my job invisible to my children and my children invisible to my job which is what I had done for most of most of my working life um, and my eldest kid just turned 20 
Um, so I, what what I did was so try and sort of act like everyone I was looking after, including my own job and people there and the expectations of my managers and also my family, my kids, our pets, you name it, my parents who I adore as well and want to spend time with. I sort of tried to make it look to everybody like they were my main priority and that I was 100% there for them all the time. And I don't think I did a terrible job of it, but you literally do live with like a drumbeat in the back of your mind, actually the front of your mind saying, what have I got to do next? Bloody hell, what have I forgotten? Oh, I'm late for this. Where's that form? Oh, the doctor. Oh, the dentist. I've just got reminders for all three kids. You know, if you try and do it all, and and look, to an extent, I wasn't martyring. It's just at the time I was in a relationship which was very old school and very traditional. And got to say that now a lot of young guys I'm seeing around me are actually being brought up by by mothers um, who are and fathers who are saying um, to them it's actually just as much your job. But in in the generation before and lots of my my cohort are married to men who have been brought up not to believe it's part of their job. So I understand that, and I'm not laying any blame on anyone or either gender. But I just assumed I had to do it all. I didn't want to. I desperately wanted less responsibility as well, but I didn't know how to. To, to delegate, I, I tried many ways to delegate, and in the end, I sort of lowered my own expectations of peace of mind and just um, work, just work like a, a mad woman. And luckily, didn't didn't um, you know suffer any severe mental health consequences. But you could because your resilience is very tested if you really are trying to spread yourself that thin. To an extent, yeah, it's a first world problem. But I believe very passionately that women's quality of life does matter. We all only get one go. And um, I think it's okay to expect a certain quality of life. And I also believe that old motherhood statement of if you are um, feeling okay in yourself, you do have more to offer people around you. And we like being engaged in our communities and we like volunteering to help set up the little athletics group in your area or do classroom helping and all the other things that, that we want to do and we're committed to doing. But you can end up really living your days feeling like there are three saber-toothed tigers sort of right behind you and you can feel their hot breath. And I guess what I'm hoping is that by lowering some standards at home, by cooking in advance and, yeah, hey, maybe serving the kids the same food two nights running um, (laughs) by, you know, by agreeing to yourself that it's okay if you, like giving yourself permission, it is okay to miss some of the school stuff like, I said in my piece that it'd be great to just look at the school calendar in advance, and I wish I'd done that, um, particularly if you have more than one kid. But even the commitments for one kid at school and creche and kinder now are much, much more than they were in our day. I mean, I barely remember my, my parents going to the school, and I was quite happy with that, you know. Like, <laughs> in, in a way, it was odd to have them invade your space. Let's talk about you some know? of the practical stuff. You're on one of them right now. Pick your attendance battles. And yes. is this a case where you might divvy it up? Actually, not just necessarily with a partner, but maybe a grandparent or whatever, or whatever. Yep. So have a bit yep. of a plan about what you're going to go to and what and what you're not going to go to. Absolutely right, and 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 know that it real on that day when that you know, for example, the thing that 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 um, sort of tipped me a bit into thinking this is ridiculous is I was. Um, let's face it, mother-shamed by, by another mother for not attending 
the uh, unveiling of the school's new building during the day. And, you know, the idea was the school was very happy with this. Of course, we'd all, you know, help pay for it. So we'd done our bit, really. And so they wanted all the parents to be walked around during work hours by their kid and shown the expensive building. Now, really, I don't think that's a formative experience for my child that I wasn't there. And she walked around with her best friend's mum, who at this time doesn't have out-of-home work, and was very happy to walk around with her. But someone noticed I wasn't there and and said something like, oh, I see your daughter's face when you miss these things, you know. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a lesson in itself. You called it mother mother shaming. I mean, one of the first lessons is to especially when you're feeling a bit insecure yourself, is to recognise someone else's insecurity as the problem, not yours. Easier said than done. Yeah, but you're so raw. Like, anything to do with your kid, no matter what age that person is, like, I actually said to my mother this morning, having got a call from Mr 20-year-old in Nepal last night saying, you know, via blooming Facebook, he's halfway up some mountain, saying, I think I've pushed it too hard, I'm not well. And I texted mum and said, oh, you should have warned me, parent motherhood was actually quite hard. And um, the thing is, it is. And everything to do with any child, your cement, your sort of emotional and spiritual cement is always going to be wet. Anyone can leave a mark on that. It's so precious to us wanting to be the ideal for the next, for that little person that we still remember being only as big as your forearm. And so these comments can leave a mark on your soul when they shouldn't. They shouldn't, even if it is someone else just having a go or they're having a bad day and they feel like spreading the love. It does leave a mark. And All right. pretty bulletproof. So pick your attendance battles, and this is about pre-planning. It's having a look at that schedule and, as we said, yep. divvying up, choosing the one that you really think's most important for you to be there, the one or two, and then divvying mm-hmm. up perhaps with others and, and, and then parking it. What about, you mentioned food and feeding the troops. How did you begin to manage that never-ending food supply for for so many kids? Look, by the end, um, by by the sort of when I was realising, God, they're getting so big and they're eating so much, because when they're little, you can give them a small amount of food, you can defrost something, it's really easy. As they get bigger, you know, it, it's a myth that kids need you less or take less maintenance as they get older. That is the greatest myth of all. And so in the end, I would spend about half of Sunday afternoon cooking up um batches of food and freezing them, always just party filling stuff like, you know, cannelloni and pasta bakes and a big, big, um, you know, soups, minestrone or a couple of slow cooker dishes. I got a slow cooker. That was very helpful. I got on Facebook. I asked mates, okay, give me three dishes that I can make on a Sunday that will last for three days and I can freeze some and maybe even get through five. And I just batch cooked. And that made my life, that revolutionised my life. Um, of course, getting the kids to learn to cook is brilliant as well. But it's it's very symbolic. The, the evening meal is a very symbolic thing for, for many families, parents, single parents or married parents or whatever. It, it's something that children also regard as something that will be done for them as an act of loving parenting, I think. Um, whether you want that to be a symbol of loving parenting or not, I'd love it not to be because that is that time of night you really want to sit down at least for an hour, but you can't because the end of work coincides with the beginning of dinner. And the number of times I stood over that first onion I was chopping at 6 p.m. and thought, oh, God, I need a bigger glass of wine. You know, we're going to need a bigger boat, like off yours. So um, then I did start cooking in advance. 
I would so recommend it. it it's it's literally so much more relaxing, and it's it's great to reheat. You just feel a million bucks. <laughs> if if you can afford it, get over the gilts over over some of the um, new bagged food stuff. I know we've got that going off um, in New Zealand. I presume there's some in Australia as well. Um, you know the 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 buy and the ingredients in a bag and and cook a bit at oh, home. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Look, I, I, a friend of mine's warmly told me to do that. Um, I, my only scepticism is that now mine are so big, whether whether even a, a box with four people's worth of food in it would feed four. So I need to check that. What about yeah. what about work? You use that word invisibility, which is a really interesting one. Make your home life invisible at work and your work life mm. invisible at home, which is just so stressful to do, and yet. Mm-hmm. Many people have found the need to do it. What have you learned mm-hmm. about your work demands and how to fit them with your family demands? Okay, so what I what I've tended to do, whether working part time or even full time, and this is this is terrible advice, but I tend to overperform. <laughs> so I tend to make my myself very visible, make my work visible, and work incredibly hard, and so that no one will will tackle me about needing to not be there so I can do a dentist run or, you know, a school thing I have to be at or some drama that requires me to be absent. Um, so that's bad advice because we shouldn't have to compensate, but that's how I've done it in the past. Towards the, towards now, I'm like, no, actually hold your head up high, know your work is good, have a bit of faith. Just because you're overtired, don't question your own, oh, I haven't been seen in the office, you know, beyond five o'clock for, for two months. Will I be seen as fully committed or not? You have to learn to banish those thoughts and banish your insecurities. And I've found that if you are spread very thin and you are tired, that can be when you're vulnerable to negative self-talk about, I'm not here enough or I've left early again or, and you can feel insecure. So my advice is hold your head up and bank on the fact that you're doing a bloody good job. I have never met people who are more efficient in, in the workplace and I've been working 30 years than working mothers, particularly. Now Now more fathers are taking on more of the split caring. I'm sure working fathers will be operating on the same level. You get there, you work like a tank, you don't go out to lunch, you don't spend time chatting, there's no water cooler really except maybe on the hop and you just then go. Be efficient, know your work is done, leave and don't feel guilty is my best advice. Like I said in the piece, I used to leave a jacket on my seat if I needed to leave early so people wouldn't actually know what time I left. You know, um, I used to be ostentatious about um, being there so that when I did leave, people would, would remember having seen me. I don't think that's necessary anymore. So many of the big employers are saying flex work is fine. We have to hold them to account. A lot of the policies are um, feel good and I think there's still a tacit understanding that presenteeism means good work uh, and I would encourage uh, working parents to almost just stare that down as well. The scheduling and overscheduling of children, so many mm. activities. How how do you make good decisions? I guess that that put oh, you put God. guilt to one side, and that yeah. make sure enough's available, but that you're not packing three things in a day after school. Like, how did you go about working out what was the right mix and the right options for your for your children? Okay, this is a 2020 hindsight observation, although my daughter's 14 and so now we're still living it, thank goodness. But with my sons, um, the after-school activity boom was just really taking off and all the marketing, you know, and, and all the 
you know, almost competitiveness about am I doing enough enrichment activities and I cannot, I mean, we've done, you know, karate and, and sport, soccer and, and um, milo cricket and Oz kick and, um, you know, swimming lessons galore and squad and um, music lessons. And I, I just honestly, if I, if I listed them all and what I've spent, it would just be so embarrassing. And um, I'm putting it down to experience. But the truth is my take on this is that one activity they really love, whether it be violin, whether it be a sport or whether it be an art activity or whatever it is, a creative drama lesson, whatever that thing is that the child wants to attend, looks forward to, um, that's worth investing your time, your heartbeats and your money in. But I think, unfortunately, this particular cohort of parents now, of which I'm, I'm, you know, my daughter is 14, so but it's, it's actually even more intense for people with young kids now. They are really, um, the message that, you know, parents parents have an equal responsibility in education as schools and you need to, you know, you need to take charge of bringing them the extra that will help them get a higher mark at the end of school, all of that. That pressure is extreme and you virtually just have to blinker yourself to protect yourself from it because that rushing about isn't like I'm not making this up this is I've read lots about this that sort of rushing about and that frantic pace you'll see families literally doing three activities on a Saturday and it's not because they're pushy parents they think that's what is just done and it just doesn't have to be there's the slow parenting movement is taking off here and I'm sure it must be there and um, no child has been harmed during this experiment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can go slow, but it's again swimming against the tide, unfortunately. It's a sense of swimming against the tide, but I'd really argue that a lot of those enrichment activities are actually just stress-inducing for everybody involved See, and really expensive. It occurs to me, just going back to our earlier discussion about what that mother said to you and the impact it had on you, is a lot of this about yeah. having allies, like finding even one person whose life and mindset is similar to yours and sort of bolstering each other when you are making some of these decisions. Did you find that or were you too busy, yes, <laughs> too busy to make that happen too? Yes. I did find those people and they are fabulous and they are still my friends. So you'll generally find in any community in which you become involved through your child, whether it's right from creche, kinder, preschool, you know, school, clubs, sports clubs, whatever it is, you will find someone who sees the world like you. And I've made lots of friends who are real friends now. And some of them, our sons have even drifted apart, but uh, just through, you know, logistics or whatever or different interests. And I'm still really close to the mothers because I've found that ally. And you can have a laugh at the ridiculousness of it all. And you can say, oh, you know, great. You've, you know, you can even ring them. I would ring my one of my friends in particular and say, Am I mad that I don't think this or that is actually as significant as some people are making it seem? I mean, you'll certainly get it, for example, around school choice. I don't know whether this is as bad in New Zealand, and I really hope it isn't, but in Australia, the amount of sort of stress and drama made of what school your kid gets into and um, and status and stuff, it, it still exists, and it, it is such bollocks, especially I can see that in, in uh, retrospect now they're at uni and they're finding their own interest and 
honestly, some of the ridiculous pressures you do get sucked into, if just one other voice who sees the world like you can free you from that bubble. And it is a bit of a bubble, unfortunately. Thank you, Wendy. Wendy Tui, Australian journalist, editor of Fairfax's Daily Life. Her column has struck a chord. There's a link to it on our webpage entitled Learn to Live with Chaos. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.